what I'd like to, to bring to everyone is the idea of music and song on all the different levels of creation. The mineral, the vegetable, the animal, and the human, and the godly. And then, by understanding how music and song permeates all of creation on every single level of reality, then to take that same structure and begin to see how we can take each one of those songs to help us find our own song. And at the end, we will, we will learn about certain methods that we can use in order to bring out our own song. So we'll start with Reb Shlomo Nigun.
So perhaps the first awakening to find our own inner song is the longing to find it. And the belief that it is there and it is deep within and it can be brought out. So with those words, I will play you an instrumental song, a very, very gentle, beautiful melody. But I'd like everyone just to think of how much I want to find my song and that I can sing that song to the world and to myself and to God.
Okay, so there's a famous midrash called Perak Shira. Perak Shira literally means chapters of song. It's a very, very ancient midrash. According to tradition, either David wrote it, or Shlomo wrote it, or both of them together. Over the millennium, it has been edited and different versions brought together. But according to tradition, it goes all the way back to David Melech. And in this very, very concise and enigmatic midrash, with no real explanation, it goes through all the different creations, the archetypal creations, and what their song is. The sun has a song. The moon has a song. Rivers have a song. The fields have a song. The oceans have a song. The trees, the grasses, the vegetables, all of the animals from the, the, the spider to the dog to the camel to the elephant. And Parakshira in, in, in six chapters goes through what the song is. Most of the verses are from the Psalms. There are a few that are from the Chumash, a few that are from the Prophets. It, is, it has been a very hidden midrash until recently. In the last 20 years, uh, it has become more and more popular. More and more books are being, being written about it. More and more people are, are saying it. And the question is asked, who is singing these songs? Are we to believe that the sun literally has a song? Or is it a literary device? Is it poetic license? What does it mean that rivers sing? That the date palm sings? That rocks sing? That's the question. And there are four answers that are given. And as is typical in Jewish learning, they are not in conflict one with the other. They complement each other. And the four opinions are the following. The first one is, it's that the creations themselves are singing the song. Literally. The date palm has a song. The moon is a song. The camel is a song, etc. So how are we to understand this? So we can understand it from the Arizal to quantum physics and string theory. The Arizal said that every creation, whether it is mineral, vegetable, animal, or human, all is animated by a spark of God. And this spark of God is what gives the life force to that creation, and it also is its song. So the Rambam says a, a very interesting thing. He says in the Mishnah Torah, that the mineral world does not have soul or consciousness, but the planets do. He says the planets have wisdom and consciousness, 
and they praised their creator. The Arizal disagreed with him and said not just the planets, every rock, every mineral, water, all has soul and consciousness. Very different than our soul and consciousness, but it has. And so therefore, according to the Arizal, the spark of God within is what is animating each creature. And the creature sings. But what does that mean? Quantum physics, physics, quantum physics, and string theory tells us that beginning with Einstein, with the, with the revelation that all matter is energy. That which we look at as being inanimate is actually a frenetic, whirling mass of energy. And so therefore, this energy, in reality, according to physics, quantum physics, and like I say again, string theory, are create vibrations. Whirling atoms make vibrations. Just like the string vibrates, the electron and neutron and proton and quarks and all the subatomic molecules are moving and are creating vibrations. Those vibrations create the physical reality that we see and touch and feel and hear and know. Therefore, when Parakshira says that it's the creation itself that is singing, what it means in, the, in almost scientific language is that the vibrational field of every living entity and every non-living entity is its song. The vibrational pattern of a rock sings its song. So therefore, when it talked about Shlomo Melech, it said that Shlomo Melech, the, the literal is that Shlomo Melech talked about the trees and the herbs and the grasses of the field. And some of the commentators read it, Shlomo Melech talked with the trees and the herbs and the grasses of the field. Thousands of years later, Rabbi Nachman gives over this beautiful teaching of how we should go out into the fields and harmonize our song with the song of the field. This was Rabbi Nachman speaking as a quantum physicist, would talk about in our day. For those of you who have read the book or saw the Nova series, The Elegant Universe, from Brian Greene, a, a classic book of quantum physics now. He's one of the greatest physicists in the world right now. And he says very clearly the metaphor of what the poets used to call the harmony of the spheres has taken on a startling reality. And he says very clearly in the book, The Elegant Universe, and everyone else studying string theory. That's Why is it called string theory? Because it posits that the smallest 
atomic molecules in existence are actually strings, and these strings are vibrating, and they're creating atomic music, and that atomic music creates the reality that we know. So all of that is to explain when David Melech in the Psalms explained mountains singing and rivers clapping their hands and trees praising God and stars praising God. That is what he meant. The second opinion of what is singing the songs of Parakshira are the angels. And we just... Many of us were in the, in the room when we heard from Avram Sutton when in our davening every day we speak clearly how the angels are singing the praises of God. But we have a, an additional teaching here. The idea that sometimes we think is, is coming from a different culture, a different religion, the idea of a guiding angel, a guardian angel is a very Jewish concept. It says in the Talmud that a blade of grass, it doesn't say all grasses, it says a single blade of grass does not grow until its angel hits it and says grow. This is from the Talmud. When we left Egypt and we came to the sea, it says we looked behind and we saw Egypt coming. So the commentaries asked, it should have said that we saw the Egyptians coming. We didn't see Egypt coming. So Rashi says, we saw the angel of Esau who was hovering over the armies of the Egyptians as it grew close. When Yaakov fights with the angel, Rashi says it was the angel of Esau. So this idea of angels is very real. But what do we mean by angels? We mean the root energy source of an entity. In other words, in our world, trees have roots that go deep into the ground and they grow up and spread out. Creation is just the opposite. The root of our soul is above. We are the branches and the fruit. And that's true of all of reality. Angels are energy forces that are connected to every entity, whether it's a blade of grass or a camel or a human being or a rock. Its root is above. And there are spiritual forces guiding it, watching it, helping it, and leading it. So the second opinion is it's that this is what is singing the songs of creation. The higher spiritual force. The third opinion is that it's human beings who are singing these songs. These opinions are not contradicting each other. They're all complementary. But it's not so much that trees are singing and camels are singing and, and oceans are singing. But the human being as the image of God, takes in the whole world and learns from the whole world. It says in Pirkei Avot, who is the wise one? The one who learns from every person. But we can extend that 
from everything. So when we look at a tree, we're inspired. We learn things. We use our imagination. We glean spiritual teachings. Or we stand by the ocean and we watch and listen to the waters. We're absorbing spiritual teachings. The water is teaching us. So we hear the inner song of all of the creations and we sing it. And the fourth opinion is that it is God singing. Nehemiah Poland alluded to this when it said, Vayomer Elohim, Yehi Or, Yehi Or. When God said, let there be light and there was light, and he said, if he would have just said it, everyone would have been asleep. But God sang it. But I want to show you how. God sang it, if you take the first word of Bereshit and you invert the letters in the beginning, so three different combinations come out. One is Shirat Av, the song of the Father, our Father in Heaven. Av is made up of the letters Aleph Bet. Shirat Aleph Bet, the song of the Aleph Bet. And the third combination is Shir Ta'av, Taf Aleph Vav, which means the song of longing. So when we say every morning, Baruch Shamar Vahoy Olam, blessed is the one who spoke and the world came into being, a more appropriate would be, blessed is the one who sang and the world came into being. It says God looked into the Torah and he created the world. What that means is God looked at the letters of the Torah and with the letters of the Torah he created the world. The letters of the Torah are musical notes. The cloth, the white parchment, is the, the, the score on which the notes are written. So what does it mean, the song of longing? There is a midrash that says, in relationship to why did God create the world, God had a desire to have for himself a dwelling place in the lower world. The word in, in this teaching, is the same as taiva. When we talk about a taiva, we talk about a desire. And the Midrash says literally that God had a longing to have for himself a dwelling place in the lower world. So the world is what God sang into existence in order that he would have a dwelling place. And so therefore, really the spark that we said animates every point of reality, which is the spark of God, that is what is singing the song of each creation. We have this mirrored in the teaching that the Shekhinah, spoke through the mouth of Moshe. And the people used to know because, if you remember, Moshe had a speech impediment. And he said to God, I can't lead the people. I can't even talk. And God said, Mi sam pele adam. Who has put a mouth in a person? And, he's, and God says, I will be with your mouth. So when Moshe was telling over Torah, it was flowing, and everyone knew the Shekhinah was speaking through him. It was just flowing. So these are four ideas of 
what is the song of creation? Again, it's each creature is singing. The spiritual root of each creature is singing. We, as human beings, that has the most highly developed ability to communicate is singing the song of all of creation. Because we are in the image of God. Just like God creates through speech, we sing the song of all of creation. And then there's the idea that God is speaking through all of us. So if you stand on, let's say, on the bank of a river in a beautiful forest, and you hear the river bubbling by, and you hear the wind going through the trees, and you hear the birds singing in the trees, and you begin to hum your inner song, that is putting it all together. And that's what Rabbi Nachman really is the Baal Shem Tov in, in recent history that renewed. It wasn't that he made this up. He renewed this idea of going out into nature in order to be able to really hear the song of creation and to unite with the song of creation. The prophets used to go into the desert. And there's a beautiful teaching. The word for desert is midbar. If you change the pronunciation a little, it's middaber, speaking. But we have a, a paradox here. If anyone has been in the desert, there is an awesome silence in the desert. So what does it mean that the desert is speaking? And this is the secret of what's called chashmal. Chashmal in modern Hebrew means electricity. But the word comes from the vision of Ezekiel of the chariot, where he saw, it's usually translated as a color, electrum. He saw a ultraviolet, ultra-blue light. But it's taught that chashmal can be divided. Chash means silent, and mal means speaking. Mila, a word, is from mal. So chashmal literally means the speaking silence, or the silence that speaks. I'm going to play another, I don't even call it a nigun, I call them musical meditations. And I would like everyone to do what Rabbi Nachman tells us. Rabbi Nachman says, take your Torah and turn it into tefillah. And take your tefillah and turn it into Torah. So we just learned about four levels of music and creation. So as I play this, everyone take that and turn it into a prayer that we can merit to hear the song of the trees and the song of the rivers and the song of the stars and the clouds. And that we're able to hear the song of our soul root because that is what's vibrating deep in our neshama is our soul root that we merit to hear the song of creation and to be able to express it. 
And of course, that we hear Hashem singing through ourselves and all of creation. So as I play this, we could all uh, imagine this. This nigun I call the strings of the soul, chutei haneshama. But I would like very much everyone to visualize, not just meditate, but visualize standing next to that river or your favorite mountaintop or your favorite ocean or your favorite pasture, wherever, wherever it is, because everyone knows how much that moves us. And everyone knows that what I've been saying, everyone in this room knew intuitively from these experiences. I'm just trying to put it into words, but we all know it intuitively because we've all experienced it many, many times.
so now we built a structure from below to above. So now I want to take that same structure from above to below and begin to speak about finding our own song. How do we go about doing that? And what does that mean? If every entity has a song, if a rock has a song, a flower has a song, that means each person has their individual unique song. So what is that? And how do we find it and activate it? So we'll start with the idea that it's God singing through creation. So this idea, very, very simply, and I think this is perhaps the, the secret of, of why Rabbi Shlomo's music touched us so much, is because it went to the absolute root of our neshamas, more than the root of our neshama. It went to where our soul is a part of God above. This is the, the teaching from the Baal Shem Tov, that the, the neshama is a chalak me'eloka mima'al, and the altar rabbi added mamish, that the soul is an actual part of God above. I just want to mention a couple of, I won't call them techniques, but things that we can do that will help bring out our inner song. And they are meditation, prayer, being in nature, and studying Torah. And I'll just explain a little bit about each. With prayer... It's, according to what we've said so far, it's very obvious that when we pray, we have to pray for the deepest things in life. We all need parnasa, we all need good health, we all need, uh, we ask for wisdom and knowledge and that God should protect us. But part of finding our inner song is by delving to the deepest core of our souls and to speak them out to God as to what we really, really want in life. 
where we really want to go, how we want to improve, how God can help us. And learning to speak from that deep, deep level needs a little work. Especially if we're used to saying the Shemona Esrei three times a day. And after a while, we stop thinking about what we're saying. It becomes very rote and an obligation. And how many times... Thank God for the Yamim Noraim. Thank God for Elul and Tishrei. Because that's when most people can reach that level. It's really Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Slichot, Ne'ila, Kol Nidre, that we find ourselves reaching that level where we're really, really, really saying to God what's really in the bottom of our heart. And so by doing that, Rabbi Nachman called it Hit Bodedut, going out either in nature by oneself, or he said, even put a talus over your head, or go into a room by yourself, and talk to God as if it was his best friend. From the, not just a good friend, your best friend that you tell everything to. And this helps us very, very much find that inner song. Helps us very, very much. We mentioned going out in nature, and this is, in my eyes, indispensable. Because it's in nature that by hearing the song of creation, as we've been talking about the whole time, it inspires us to want to sing our song. And learn to hear the song of creation. Listen to the birds, listen to the leaves scraping on the ground. Listen to the water. Listen to the wind. And it opens up that inner song. And then there's one that most people probably wouldn't think of, and that's learning Torah. And this is a very important one. This is a very, very important one, especially if one can find their teacher or their Rebbe. Because according to Hasidut, finding a Rebbe is like finding a soulmate. I think everyone knows this. There's, there's so many good teachers in the world. But many times you'll, you'll, you'll hear these great teachers and you'll learn something. But it doesn't mean that your neshama is vibrating with their neshama. When you meet your Rebbe or your teacher... It's, a, it's qualitatively, it's, it's completely different. And you spoke about hikashrut, of being connected to a Rebbe. So that connection to a Rebbe brings out the music in our soul. So that's why, again, with, with Reb Shlomo, because he, we were all vibrating to his melody. He brought out the best in us because on a soul level we were all very connected to him. It wasn't just that we liked his music or liked his teachings or liked being about around him. It was so much more than that. 
That's why you can have someone who could have a voice ten times better than Shlomo, which is hard to imagine in his early years. But it doesn't affect us the same way. It's when we're on the same soul level with someone, it just it opens your heart. So I bless everyone to find that teacher, find that Rebbe who, who does it for you. And then it's the, the learning of Torah itself. Everyone knows the teaching that everyone has a letter in the Torah. There's 600,000 archetypal root souls in Israel. There's 600,000 letters and everyone has a letter. But this teaching, we have to really, really squeeze it for all it's worth. And, and, and what it means is, by whether it's finding that safer that you resonate with. You know, the idea is, through one letter, you, can re- you receive the entire Torah. If you find your letter in the Torah, it, the whole Torah is, is there. And a, a, a beautiful thing to do, along with learning with a Rebbe and a teacher and a Chavruta, a learning partner, is we should practice learning by ourselves. And to find that inner cadence with the verses. And to... Just like when we daven, everyone has their their little song that they sing to. So remember we said before, finding your inner song isn't finding that one song. But I said, but there is something to it. In other words, sometimes when we do find a nigan for Reb Shlomo, I, okay, I can't speak for him, but I think it was, I die, 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 die. I die, die, die. I die, die, die. I die, How many times did we fly with him on that nigun? Not hundreds. Anyone who was connected to some over 20 years, thousands of times. And each time it was like, like a new, a new experience. And each one of us, really, if we would start to listen, that's what I'm saying. When we say the prayers, we we really have one of our own that maybe we haven't paid attention to yet. So that's what I'm saying, to learn to listen to the tune that we're singing it to and to develop that. And the same thing with learning. Even if it's a few verses, a couple of Rashis, a little Hasidus, But if it's our favorite, you know, when you learn and like the light bulb goes off in the head, right, you're vibrating with that inner song. Okay, and the the last one is, is meditating. And we've done a little bit of that today. And it's very important to understand that meditating doesn't mean that you have to sit for an hour or a half an hour or 20 minutes, those are all good types of of meditation. But you can meditate in three minutes. The Shema is probably our strongest meditation we have. How long does it 
take to say 10 seconds, 5 seconds? Or when we have what's called kavana, before doing a mitzvah. Here, meditating just means focusing. I'm ending with a song, a very, very, very deep-felt bracha is that we all find our inner song and we learn to sing it to ourselves. We learn to sing with others that we can share our inner song. That someday all of Israel will stand in Yerushalayim and will be singing that song. And one day the whole universe will be singing God's song and God will be singing through all of us. Yachad, 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 Thank you all.